Dennis, start from the top. Oh, start from the top? Okay. Yeah. Welcome to the Love for Real podcast, a Living Well production. This is a real... Oh, gosh. Okay. I now I need my glasses. <laughs> All right. Just make it bigger. Oh, there we go. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Love for Real podcast, a Living Well production. This is a real talk... Er, er, okay. I did. <laughs> Just blow it up, man. Blow it up. <laughs> make the font really big. All right. <laughs> This is for you if you need encouragement, inspiration, and practical information to help you experience your happily ever after. We, we are, are your hosts, hosts Daniel, Daniel and Kendra, Kendra Tillman. Tillman. And we, we are, are your, your co-hosts. Co-host. And we are, are your co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks funny when you like this. Oh, well, yeah, you can't do can't. that. <laughs> if, but, but if you're looking toward the camera, you can't really tell. Uh, Oh, wow. Y'all some smart ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're ready. Welcome to the Love Real Podcast, a Living Well Marriage production. This is real talk about marriage. And this is for you if you need encouragement, inspiration, and practical information to help you experience your happily ever after. We, we are your, your hosts, hosts, Daniel and, and Kendra, Kendra Tillman. Tillman. And And we we are are your co-hosts, Dennis and Angela Bullock. Our first few episodes are around a taboo subject in marriage. We want to demystify and normalize therapy as a tool for happy marriages. Here's our first episode with Kenyon and Takara Martin. All right, so we are here and we are excited because this is the very first podcast episode for Love For Real podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. There's four of us. I'm Kendra Tillman. I'm Daniel Tillman. I'm Dennis Bullock. And I'm Angela Bullock. And And we are... When you say we are here, where where are we? What do you mean? Oh, we we are at the AZ Pod studio in Phoenix, Arizona. And we are so happy. We have been thinking about doing this for a really long time. And not only are we happy because we are doing this, but we have amazing guests. Our very first guest that said yes to us. We are so excited. You all are going to gain so much from this. And so this is the Love For Real podcast, and it is presented to you by Living Well Today Marriage Ministry. Did you want to say anything, Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, I'll just try to follow that up by just saying uh, I'm excited about having our guest on today. We've uh, been at a couple of other events with them, and every time that we've heard them speak and talk, uh, it's it's been enlightening. Um, And the the things that I think they're going to bring is going to open up um, you know, just, just some avenues for marriages to to consider um, and, and and improve upon. Yeah. So, Bullocks, what about you? Do, is there anything that you wanted to share with everyone before we start our actual interview about just about the marriage ministry and the vision that God has given us about the ministry? Anything? Well, I wanted to just really talk about the guests because the first time I saw the guests mm-hmm. uh, was on YouTube. And, uh, and uh, we, I was, when I was doing some investigation for Simbus, they actually came up and uh, it's so uh, surreal actually being able to interview them uh, on today in this podcast. And so it's just kind of uh, funny, you know, that I was looking up Simbus, didn't know who they were. I was just interested in like, wow. And, and yeah, I, we were like, like, we just need a Simbus review. Somebody got a review. We're like, oh. <laughs> 
so just to be actually interviewing them yeah. and actually get oh. an opportunity to meet them is a really, a really awesome privilege. So amen. Amen. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about today's podcast episode. So uh, Daniel and Dennis and Angie and I, we have been having a lot of conversations behind the scenes because we actually oversee a marriage ministry. And a big part of the work that we do is around small groups, um, getting couples connected in community with each other so that they have a support group. Well, one of the things that we see that has been a challenge and an issue that's coming up is people a lot of times, or not a lot of times, sometimes people need something beyond the actual small groups themselves. They need the extra support and extra layer of maybe working and talking with a therapist, a counselor, whatever, however you want to refer to them. We, we're going to actually ask them about that today. And so we, we decided that we thought it would be a great idea for us to do a monthly series where we interview couples, therapists, counselors, and help them help us demystify what counseling is. Because I think that we all keep hearing, you should go to counseling, you should get the help, you should get the support, but we don't necessarily know what that means. And so sometimes that actually contributes to the reason why people don't show up for it or don't uh, seek it out is because they don't even know what to expect in the first place. And, and I just want to say, I really want the, the brothers uh, and the fellas to... Mm -hmm really lean into this one because uh, a lot of times when you talk about uh, counseling or therapy, it is us men who are kind of holding out um, and, and, you know, letting the women just, just take it alone or go alone. Uh, and, and if we really start to lean in, into this, I think it can be, be life-changing for some marriages. Amen. Belux, you have anything to say about it? <laughs> Well, I think uh, also, I think sometimes uh, people, once they get married, they feel, feel like they got it figured out. Like, we can just go ahead and work through this. And, and the, the, the powerful thing with counseling, it helps you work through unresolved issues. A lot of times we look at uh, a lot of times us being uh, in full time ministry uh, uh, for seven years and then being with Living Well Today for three years, the pattern that we pick up on and uh, doing a marriage counseling, we, we provide the word of God. We show them what scripture says. And the pattern we typically pick back up on is not necessarily is a communication issue. It's not a financial issue. A lot of times it's dealing with fears. It's dealing with mm -hmm. uh, pride. It's dealing with selfishness. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and, and a lot of times the unknown, like they don't know. So they're not going to say, I don't know, or they are just scared to ask for help, or they don't want to put mm -hmm. a, a light on their drama. So, you know, we're, we are hoping that this will definitely help couples um, see that counseling is an amazing thing. Counselors, I mean, God created counseling. You know what I mean? It's a good thing if people will take advantage of it. And it's something that adds value to your marriage, adds marriage a value to the content of your narrative that you have for your story. Everybody has a love story. And, um, and hopefully the counseling will actually enhance that. And so... We're very excited what's about to happen on today. I always like that example where people are like, your house is burning down. You're going to get some water. You're going to call the fire department. But in marriage, for some reason, we will let the house burn down mm -hmm. and see receipt. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, I'm getting a divorce. And you're like, what? We didn't even know you have problems. So it's like, if you can get a fireman or you can get somebody to help you put some water on the fire, why not? You know? Yeah. So I'm hoping this whole series helps people out with that. Amen. Amen. 
All right. So we've been talking about them <laughs> and we want to talk to them. So I'm going to bring into the studio with us the Martins and I'm going to I'm going to share their bio really quick with you all. So leveraging their education in theology, psychology, and Christian counseling, Kenyon and Takara Martin have designed counseling services, books, and virtual programs to help individuals and couples break toxic relationship habits and learn the habits of healthy love. They are Gottman and Myers-Briggs certified and use their knowledge and research-backed concepts to help people overcome some of their most challenging relationship experiences. They are the authors of two books, Covered for Marriages, and the Soul Ties Detox for Singles. You can hear their raw and relatable relationship advice on their podcast and learn more about them by visiting askthemartins.com. Welcome, Martins. Awesome. Welcome. <laughs> you know, I learned something in that. I didn't know you yes, guys were like, This is Okay, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know you guys were uh, Gottman certified. I love Dr. Gottman's work. Yes, yes, yes. We utilize Gottman um, as far as continuing ed education and um, trying to grow and consistently trying to make sure that we are equipped to help the people that come to us. Yes, yes. Yeah. And thank, you know what? Before we just jump right in, we just have to thank you. There is a three-hour time difference. <laughs> and so we just thank you so much for your willingness to do this on the weekend. And But you know what? This is great because this is going to be a blessing to so many people. So we hope that you will gain some energy, some renewed strength and everything just by you being a part of our conversation tonight. Oh, it's our pleasure. We are a pleasure. We don't do this often, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So do you so would you would you all kind of tell everyone like a little bit about who you are and how you came to do the work that you're doing today? Okay. You wanna start? I guess I'll start. Yes. Um yeah, we I mean the biggest thing is you always tell people completely by accident. Um when we first started out this journey, um it was really more so Kenyon. Kenyon, and I really do lean a lot to his expertise. He's, you know, done this for years. We met in a capacity where I was working with him um, as an individual because, you know, that this is really more so his lane. I'm just like the big mouth that sits next to him. <laughs> um, and what happened was we decided that we were going to, like, start helping people and saving all the marriages. And that's what Kenyon was going to do. He was going to save <laughs> All the marriages in the world. <laughs> and what we ended up um, finding, which I think as you guys would find too as, as leaders in marriage ministry, is that people don't want to be saved in the traditional sense that we think. It's like, you know, you see all these articles like how to, you know, you know, uh, communicate better in your marriage. Nobody wants to know that stuff until they've already like busted holes in the walls and figured all that stuff out. And so they, like I said, the fire, the house was burning down. And we realized that a lot of the stuff that people were dealing with were are things that came from past issues, things that came from, you know, home cultures, all this other stuff mm -hmm. to the, it was like, we started out with singles. We was like, we didn't want to help married people no more. Like y'all are crazy. And so, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it was like half the time you got one spouse dragging the other, another mm -hmm. spouse don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't want to do it. And what, what ended up happening was we started out with singles, helping them break those toxic relationship habits. And then 
honestly, truth be told, we started reintroducing ourselves into couples when we did First Comes Love Marriage a couple years ago with, mm-hmm. with Siobhan and Lakeisha, mm-hmm. where we all kind of, I think, met. And what really ended up happening, literally, y'all, like a week before um, we... Um, you know, began this whole thing with going back into marriages. God was like, kept like kicking us over there. A week before that, we sat in the bed and I'm like, well, babe, what are we going to talk about next week? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are we going to do? And we started like this whole big old process of a presentation. And then think Kenyon said, okay, every marriage needs these four things. Safety, security, trust, empathy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, dang, that's easy. <laughs> And when it came down to it, that's honestly what we really began to reinvest back into marriages from that point. And so once we started, you know, into that place where we are with marriages today, it really came from sitting down and saying, what do people really need? And then I think that honestly opened up where we are today. Absolutely. And and just to be clear, we're not clinical counselors. So yes. I think it's very important to identify that we're more along pastoral counseling mm-hmm. and coaching. And the difference is, is that we do not diagnose, although we can see certain things. Um, we don't diagnose depression, anxiety, um, or any anything that you might find in the DSM-5. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are interesting, but those are things that uh, we made a personal decision to stay away from because we didn't want to deal with that side of things, if you will. Uh, I'm sorry, you so, said uh, DSM-5. What's that? Uh, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual for that uh, that's being used by clinical counselors okay. mm-hmm. to identify mental health issues okay. or personality defects. Gotcha. Okay. And so we now we stay like like I said earlier, we stay involved with continuing education credits and all that type all the same type things that they do. Um, however, we just have to apply it in a different way. We yeah. do not apply it in a clinical way because we are not uh, licensed nor allowed to. And I wanted to make and that we ain't going clear. to jail for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only going to be from a pastoral t- standpoint yeah. um, uh, with a lot of practicality, a lot of prag- uh, a prag- very pragmatic approach to yes. making changes. So tell us a little bit about your family dynamic kids so how long you've been uh, married all the fun stuff <laughs> yeah so we've been married for where are we at now we're going on five years on five <laughs> did y'all years? have to yeah. think about it <laughs> yeah. I used to make a joke and he hates it like i used to make a joke i'm like listen between we've been married before so we have a cumulative 25 years experience in marriage. <laughs> 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 like we, we've been married together for five years. We have a lot of years of experience because right. listen, we earn that credit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But we feel like we, it's like, we feel like we've been married for a lot longer because of how things, by the time we began that process of, of courting and things of that nature, we were so definitive in our pro and, and intentional that it just felt, um, like it, it was forever. It, yeah. it just felt like this has always been. Where have you been my whole entire life? You're like my twin on Facebook, <laughs> right? <laughs> but outside of that, um, let's see. Okay. Well, I mean, we met. I mean, we met honestly. We knew each other for um, about five years before we actually started dating. We seven. knew each other seven years before mm. we started dating. 
and it wasn't um it wasn't romantic at all we married other people decided you know we didn't like each other and <laughs> that was that and we literally met and courted so to speak online and so mm. we developed and cultivated a relationship from a distance because he was in Ohio I was in Georgia um and <clears throat> we had uh children so between the two of us, we have six kids and, you know, his kids are in Dayton. Mine was here in Georgia. And we met and we said, we're not going to, I was at a place where I was not going to get married again mm -hmm. until my children had graduated high school. Like I just made that decision. I didn't want my kids to see me fail anymore. Um, and he was just like, I ain't moving for nobody. So we are just going to be apart. Um, and it really started to um, shift. Um it's so funny. We laughed about this today when we started talking about not having a covering. Um, I was done with church. I was done with marriage. And really what began to shift our relationship was him talking about the fact that I had no business being out in this world with no covering, with no pastoral covering and no husband that's covering. <laughs> and really that's what shifted it. And we he he proposed to me um, before we ever met in person. Um, oh. and, and, and then we met. Uh, <laughs> And that was <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you got to, to, yeah, we're gonna have to get the get the skinny on that one from you. Know. <laughs> but like one thing that I will say as a blended family that mm -hmm. really helped us and helped me as a woman is that this was somebody that yeah, he proposed we ever met in person. Then he came to Georgia, met the kids and everything, but he didn't just meet the kids and like bring them candy, like, hey, I want to be your stepdaddy. But he came in and really wanted to get to know my kid my kids and really earned their trust and earned everything that he had already de naturally developed for me. Yeah. He came in and then earned that with them. It wasn't just, it wasn't organic. It wasn't natural. They side-eyed him for a long time. Like it was not easy. And he came in and we actually had to cultivate that. But what helped us blend a lot more naturally was his insistence on making sure that he got to know the girls for who they were and not just come in and like, you know, Hey, I'm the man now, like call me daddy. Like it was, just, it was really, really intentional in that process. Absolutely. How so, old are your kids? Oh man. Uh, start from shoot. the top. <laughs> start from the top 27, 26. That's my oldest daughter and my oldest son. Um, I have a son who is 20, Kenton is 23. Three? And Alan Michael is 17. And Cassie's 17. Yes. And then Alyssa is 18. Yes. So how old were your kids when y'all started dating? Oh, that was about five. Yeah, yeah, five years ago. My bad. But I'm just thinking the whole teenage thing and having to get to know teenagers. Because mm -hmm. to me, right. when we started dating, I already had a baby, but she was young. But he dated her while he dated me. And then we yeah. had group dates and things like that. So he really had to work on getting to know her. And I was kind of the same thing. I was like, I don't want nobody around my baby. Because I'm a screw up or be, before him. You're amazing, baby. But before him, I had a really bad report. You know, so that's really good because teenagers, that's a lot of love and patience and talking to them and trying to get them to break down those walls. So that's awesome. So one of the things that I, I intentionally did with the girls, with her girls, because... I, 
I, I, I'm pretty open with my sons and my daughter. Well, my the oldest two, they grown, so they don't really count to me as far as somebody need to yeah, explain anything to. But I'm really open to the younger ones. But when it came to moving in and de- then being with her girls, one thing I did intentionally was I did things that allowed me to spend time with them uh, individually. So taking you to school, one was going to elementary and the other one was in high school. And then just um, instead of the bus, I would take that 20 minute drive up there and back or 30 minute drive, however long it was. But during that time, I get to interact with them. I get to um, feel their presence and their atmosphere. They get to learn learn mine. So we learn who not to talk to early in the morning because we all sleepy. I mean, it's just all <laughs> right. And personalities. I am a. I'm a. I'm a. I focus on behavior and personalities. So the idea of actually just sometimes when there's not one sound in the car, um, you can still feel where they are, what's going on, and I got an opportunity to do that. So it's definitely a transition. Blended families, um, especially we're dealing with teens, is definitely a transition five to seven year transition, but I think we expedited that because we were so intentional about developing relationships before we uh, developed authority. Yeah. How, how long yeah. after you met um, the kids did you marry? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, maybe, maybe months. We didn't We didn't date long at all. Like, literally, like, I joke, we did it for 37 seconds. And after that, like... <laughs> <laughs> like it was just it. it um, was, I think it's unnecessary to drag it out if we know that this is it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I was at one. Her and I was at a point where we was like, no. You know, we were brushing off any and everybody coming knocking on our doors. We were both very, very settled at being by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we had made definitive, definitive, concrete decisions to do life. You know, in our own corners of the world. So when we made the decision that wait a minute, you, you the one, you, you didn't you it right here. Once we made that decision, it was it wasn't even a matter of waiting. Yeah. Um and I think because we started out very transparent. One of the things that I think yes. we try to tell people um in relationships, and I think why so many marriages struggle is that you really do go in trying to be something that you have no ability to keep up for years and years to come. And for us, I was like, here I am without my wig on. Here I am. Like, like here's my hurts. Here's my failures. Here's my flaws. Like, everything. And it was almost like, are you going to run or are you going to stay? And we were perfectly okay, like, unleashing that and open exposing that to each other, fully willing to walk away if we weren't really ready to handle that. And I think that's what suffocates the relationship today. Like we fight very open and transparently, like very even open. in that, yeah. because everything that we do is like at the end of the day, like I said, I was going to take you and this is you and this is me. And right. that's, it was quick. It was quick because we were like, I know you, you know me, let's do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now when people hear your story, mm-hmm. uh, what do you, how do you explain that to a, uh, a couple that may not have the type of history that you have and the knowledge and the experience that you learned uh, learned about yourself through previous relationships. And now you're able to come in with a, a good context and narrative. So you draw everybody to share with each other. You're like, mm, this is how it is. Yes. Because we're able to connect this way and get married 37 seconds and, 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 and it evolved that way. But when we, you know, doing pastoral counseling, a lot of times we tell people to slow it down, wait, 
get to know each other. So using your context, how what do you say to uh, people that hear your story? And it's like, hey, let's go ahead and get married in 37 seconds. First of all, Takara, I always say, what do you what do you always say? Results not typical. <laughs> no, disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. That's the very first thing, because there are things that need to, to come along here. Uh, Takara pointed out transparency. That's one. That's one thing. Being open and vulnerable. That's the kind of transparency you need. I, I, Oftentimes, we have people who date for years and they're still dealing with representatives or the fantasy of what it all could be together. The second thing is being self-awareness. Self-awareness is so very important and we really don't know ourselves the way we think we do. Mm-hmm. And many times, someone will marry someone because they think they're going to be fulfilled or completed mm-hmm. and then they find themselves disappointed because that other person can't be what they think they need. So you go from self-awareness to other awareness, meaning that not only do I have to identify and know myself, but I also have to identify and know who you are and accept you as you are. So now we're able to juggle grace. Now we're able to juggle juggle love. Now we're able to juggle forgiveness and start dealing with a person's humanity rather than who we hope or what they are. So definitely when it comes to counseling, slow down. We were there because we were just able to be in those places because that's, um, we had the cheat code, you know, it's just, it's how we were built and where we were and what Y'all have done the work. Y'all have done the work individually. So it's easy to come together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One one thing that I always tell people, um, especially if you're trying to rush into a relationship, and it is really hard to have our story and have our testimony. It's like, oh, y'all look so cute. It looks easy. And it, it, it really isn't. But I think one of the things that we tell people is like, have you seen them or experienced them in all four seasons of their life? Yes, yes. Have you up? You know, when they're down, have you experienced them? Have you seen them, you know, you know, lose something, you know, have, you know, an emergency come up and they've got to manage and figure out how to work through something. Have you seen them up? Have you seen them down? Like all of this stuff to make sure um, that you can measure their consistency, their level of consistency or inconsistency in those things and in those periods. And then honestly, something that I had to reconcile with my own self and my own children, even that I didn't think of, you know, Looking at family, looking at their family history. Have you met them? Have you, you know, understood what goes on in that family? Right now, you know, my, you know, uh, children's father. There's a lot of mental illness in that family, and so now I have to monitor my children according to the DNA that I introduce them to, basically. Um, and so, you know, looking at all those things, and are you able to be honest? And I think the sure thing that the Simbus. Um, uh, assessment and everything does, I think, and it exposes you to so many different things. And if you can't have those conversations, if you can't talk about money, if you can't look at their credit score, if you can't look at their bank spending uh, habits and things like that, and and not get upset, not get offended, and not withdraw, then you're not ready to be in a marriage with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I'm a, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say the way we were able to 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 jump over a lot, like just the season is that. Mm-hmm. R and I had wounds from our winters and all we did was show our wounds and talk about how we dealt with those and how we got over those. And so being able to see the wounds that we've previously had really helped out. Our transparency was just, it was was next level. Mm. And I think um, I've seen through the years when we've done premarital counseling afterwards, because we do after marriage counseling, two people come out and they're like, I don't know who that is. 
mm-hmm. because that's not what I received. And I know my dad used to tell me and my siblings, he's like, you got to stay around long enough because they can only lie for so long. <laughs> and I think, well, I always love that saying, it's hilarious. But it's true because I just don't think people take time. And that for some reason, people don't want to be transparent and they're afraid, I think, of the rejection. If I do show you my wounds and my winners and all my issues, then you're going to leave. But I think people have to be secure enough, especially in Christ, that if you do leave, I'm okay. You know, I want you to know who I am and I want to know who you truly are so we can build on a firm foundation. And for some reason, people just don't want to do that. I don't know if that's like a this generation. I don't know. But for some reason, people are really afraid to be genuine. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to uh, go back to is uh, it sounds like it, that you guys, because uh, I want to hear hear this from, from uh, your side, Kenyon. It sounds like you you cultivated this relationship, uh, you know, as we do a lot of times today online. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I wanted um, to hear more about that too. And also, did you before you actually got a chance to come together? Was that the proposal happened online as well? No, the, the proposal happened over the phone. Um, <laughs> we call, here's how we did it because it wasn't an online dating. Um, process or or it wasn't an online dating app or anything of that nature we just ran into each other because we had so many of the same correspondence friends you know how facebook goes Mm -hmm. and we we ran into each other several times and so we knew of each other and so um as we got to the point where, where there was an interest beyond our business endeavors um we utilized I utilize Facebook as a process of elimination, to be honest with you. So here's what I did. <laughs> I <laughs> I went to her Facebook profile. I didn't read anything about her. I looked at all the friends and what they were saying mm-hmm. to her. What did she allow on her line? What didn't she allow on her line? What's going on in her life? Now, although that's limited and some people treat it in a, with different degrees of transparency, but that's enough for me to identify whether this is somebody who I even want to know or whether there are some latent problems that I may have later on because you don't have you have problems with shutting things boundaries. down or boundaries or anything <laughs> of that, that nature. Um, but then the rest of it was certainly on the phone. It was it was certainly uh, vi- um, verbal um, communication um, being at open as as possible, as long as possible, um, making sure that honesty was the foundation of everything we stood on because we had nothing else to go on. And so the idea is, is that I needed to trust you um, with everything that you're saying to me mm-hmm. and she trust me. Now, what made it really easy is because we both were sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. So we kind of didn't care. So it, we weren't stuck in the insecurity of being rejected yeah because we took the we took the ropes and we said i will reject you if need be yeah mm-hmm. so and and we made sure that we understood that hey listen it does it's no ill will no ill intent but if i feel something or that that's not too right i'm going to move on because i'm really just kind of okay right here anyway so, then we met and I yeah. made him a pot of collard greens and I was like, it. That was dark. Intention. There had to be some serious intention when you're yes. doing long distance and when you're doing 
uh, something over, whether it's Facebook or any other particular app, you have to really look and dig to figure out who a person is. Um, we did all the things that you should be doing when you're meeting face-to-face, but because people meet face-to-face, they forget to do these things, and so they get turned out immediately off of the feeling that they have in the chemistry, and we didn't get a chance to do that. We went straight to the depth of the relationship rather than the, the feel-goods. Right. Yeah. I, 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 did, I did want to say this, Kenan. Um, uh, and please uh, don't get offended. You're, you're a very expressive, a very expressive uh, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wanted to kind of say, did that kind of help the relationship and y'all connecting? Because a lot of times for our, our experience, just our experience, I'm not saying this about all brothers. A lot of brothers are not able to express themselves and be able to really dig deeper than just the surface. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you're younger, it's about sex. You know, I want to, you know, all that type of stuff. But when you talk about (laughs) expressing uh, hurt and, you know, going through different types of things, a lot of us males, we don't know how to articulate that, sometimes don't know how to process it. And then we have our beautiful wives come in and say, this is what you meant to say, right? <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's what I meant to say. And so I guess I, I, I was saying it was the question. I was saying it for Keenan, but I'll, I'll go to your wife. How, how, how did that help you? And especially with your uh, dealing with the past uh, that you uh, dealt with your past relationships, seeing how he was able to express himself and, and lay out I mean, because as I'm listening, I can see, I can hear a lot of content. I can hear a lot of, uh, you know, just the, the thoughts that's going. In, uh, I'm trying to express myself. I guess I can, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helped a, a great deal. One thing, you know, about both of us, um, we came from different types of hurt. Kenyon did come from, you know, a marriage previously where, you know, there was infidelity. Somebody cheated on him. For me, it wasn't infidelity. It was abuse. Mm-hmm. And so being coming from an abusive marriage previously, um, you deal with a lot of passive aggression. You deal with people who, you know, say one thing, but do another and make you feel less than and all this other stuff. And and the most refreshing part I think about Kenyon was one, he did tell me about his hurts because a manipulative person will tell you about their hurts, but they use it in a way to get you like and to pull into them deeper and they do it and you'll also see them blaming everybody else for their hurt and then what to happen one of the first things that he did was no it's okay if i share yeah, this no, it's okay. um one of the things that he did was like he did express yes i was cheated on you know and but then he went in to talk about how here's what I did and here's what probably led her astray. I'm not excusing her. I'm not excusing what she did, but I'm saying as a man, I had to grow from, you know, uh, being, you know, controlling and trying to control her and, and try to make her into something that she, I thought she was supposed to be. And I had to grow into this place that I am today. And it did include him going to therapy. And so he, was able to, I think he was much more able to express himself because, you know, his education and then going and lay on that couch himself that allowed him to really see himself differently. And and also, to be honest, see some of the patterns that we grew up with as mm-hmm. young black boys and girls mm-hmm. in our home that said, this is what marriage is supposed to look like. And then he had to reframe for you know, what it is. 
that for me was everything because again, where I'm used to people, um, manipulating me and trying to use my time and, and really flip their hurt and their emotional trauma in a way that it hooks me. Um, he used it in a way to open himself up to me, but also gave me that safety to do the same for myself. And so, yeah, I mean, I tell him all the time. He's like, I don't understand why me and Kate. I'm like, babe, everybody ain't like you. Like, I'm going to do stop. Oh, I want to commend you on that one, uh, sir, because um, it, 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 is, it is not common for, for men to go there and, and mm-hmm. to do that, right? To, to say, in a relationship where you, you have been cheated on, a lot of times it's, it's pointing fingers saying, hey, you know, it was her fault or, or whatever. Um, but you took some responsibility mm-hmm. as well. Well, because it is a two-way street. We both have responsibility for the good and for, you know, the bad. I think one of the things that you got to understand that it was still a hard and rough, a rough, rough and rocky road. Right. What actually got me into theology, well, these are things that I've always wanted to do, but what actually pushed me over the edge in order to get an education was because I had lost myself at that particular point in time. And so I was going back to my first love. You see what I'm saying? And then in the process of doing that, it began to alter me in a sense that says, hey, listen, I'll, I'll never forget one brother told me, he said, do you think that what you're going through is only for you? And I recognized at that point was that, okay, this is for someone else. So what I go through and how I heal and how I deal with this is going to be something that another man should be able to use because that there is a difference in how we deal with infidelity, especially a male. Um, there is a, it's not as, it's not no worse um, as a D, but there's a difference in the way that we carry something. And, and, the, and one, one way that we carry it is I failed. Because we see or we think that because we went out to pursue someone yeah. that we failed in, in, in grasping them. Mm-hmm. And we and we take away from women's ability to say, this is who I am as an individual. We believe that once we have them, we have the, it, it is incumbent upon us. It is our responsibility to keep them. And you can't keep what doesn't, what, what is, can't be kept. But nevertheless, the process of going through that helped me see myself in such a way that I realized that, and if I can be honest, previous to these points, I was an emotional male. Now I'm a male with emotions. Mm. It's a difference there because now I can articulate what I'm feeling without using what I'm feeling or weaponizing what I'm feeling in order to make someone else feel worse. And that is what gives me the opportunity or the ability. And, you know, I'll give part of it to God because I think it's a gift to be able to say things that other people have, have not been able to say or to actually, it's really interesting when we counsel or coach a couple, it's really interesting how we find men sitting back at first feeling like, okay, here it comes. And then like, wait a minute, they get it. Mm-hmm. They get it. I could never say that, but they said it. Mm-hmm. And it's those moments that click for the for, for both of them that says, okay, there's an opportunity for us for us to work this out because now he gets to be heard and she gets to be heard as well. And sometimes being able to express myself in those ways, I'm able to actually act as a translator between a, a party of two. Oh, that's really good. That's Amen. Awesome. Amen. Well, 
I, what I was wondering is I was listening to you all tell us more about who you are, which I think is so helpful because this is the thing I think whenever there is someone in a position of leadership and that we kind of look up to, we don't see them as human beings. We see them as the work that they do. And so for the two of you to actually share kind of a little bit, you know, of your own journey, I think will actually help other people be willing to say, you know what, I could use some support like that. So how did you get to this point where you started working with couples? Well, I know, you know, I know that you did it for a while and then you took a break from it and now you're back to it. But what is it in your work background or maybe just your story, your own experience? What brought you to this work of being willing to help people as individuals and as couples to have healthy relationships? I think for us, um, if I can be really honest, um, we were seeing a lot of unhealthy habits coming from us church folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the problem was that, like Car said, she was done with church. But the thing is, is that she's a, she's an extraordinary worshiper. She's probably one of the, she's one of the things I prayed for when I was looking for a mate. Mm -hmm. And so she was done with church, but she wasn't done with God. Amen. So what I found out was, is that there is a lot of hurt that people are either dealing with, they're hurting each other in a relationship mm -hmm. or they're bringing hurt into a relationship and then hurting each other. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to take, I mean, yeah, there's counseling background. Yeah. There's a lot of that other, whatever that, whatever that is, but we have a love for people. And we have a love for God. Amen. And we recognize that marriage should not be a sentence. It shouldn't be a prison and it shouldn't hurt. Um, mm -hmm. It will hurt because there's growing pains, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be torture. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And mm. because of what we've gone through and because we're so happy with what we have, we feel like I said earlier, it feel like we got the cheat code. And so we're like, everybody should have this. <laughs> That's how we feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how we feel too. We were at breakfast today saying, I'm so happy. I, like we have to yeah. fight to carry. Like spiritually, like people around us, everything. We were like, we're so happy we fought for this because this is so fun and so good. Amen. And we were like, when the kids leave, it's going to get even better. Like, yes. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. And so that's, that's what makes us um, jump into it. Um, secondarily, I do have a geek sensation when it comes to personalities. <laughs> mm -hmm. So behavior and personalities mm -hmm. and character, there's a geek part of me that says, okay, people need leadership. Yes. Um, but people also need help. Yes. And here's what I found. Mm -hmm. When it comes to clinical counseling or, or typical counseling, um, they are extraordinary about the conversation. Mm -hmm. They're extraordinary about bringing out some of the things. Now, we don't do that. We do coaching or pastoral. Mm -hmm. But they're extraordinary. We're bringing out those things. When it comes to our people and our church people, there's, they are not looking for therapy. They're looking for leadership. Mm -hmm. And so like a coach with a playbook, one of the things I love to do is to break out the playbook and say, okay, let's see how fast you can run here. What's your strengths? What's your weaknesses? What's going on in your personality? What's happening here? And then I can actually break that open and point out to both of them, this is the reason why you both do two different things. Now, this is my geekiness. Yeah. Um, I, I, I read people's mail all the time, just wherever I go, because that's fun <laughs> for me. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, so I'll sit in the corner and enjoy myself watching the party and figuring out who's who because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so to get paid to do that is 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 just it's, it's, a, it's, bonus. A, it's a bonus. Gravy <laughs> on the biscuit. <laughs> right. uh, healing too, because. Yes. One of the things we first started out, um, we used to say we're certified. Well, I used to say it. He didn't like it. We're certified failure experts. Um, mm. And because we've come through so much hurt and, to you know, one of the questions we kept always getting was like, how did you learn to love again? How did you learn to trust again? How did you, you know, how are you here after all the stuff you've been through? And it was like, I mean, it was healing. And I think. Even within marriage, we have to get to a place where we understand that healing is a process. Yes, it is. So everything that we did to get to this place in our marriage, if it's if there's been a break or a breach, it's going to take a process to get back to it. And for me, um, my personality type, I like identifying and developing processes and roadmaps to help you get from here to where you are, you know, and where you're going. And so together with us and him reading people's mail and doing that, I begin to ask all the questions and I like to try to piece together, number one, how it got here. But now let's put together a roadmap to get you from where you are now to where we want to be at the end of everything. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of that, showing couples how to heal each other is probably one of the most rewarding. I mean, there's been like so many sessions where we're like all crying, well, not him, crying at the end of a session (laughs) with a couple because it was like they get it. And they can, and it was like, it was like an aha moment of understanding who your spouse is because let's be honest, you get married and a lot of people come to us and really don't know who their spouse is. Yes. And the other side of it is because now I know who they are, let me figure out how to serve you better in a way that heals our marriage. And it, I'm telling you, it works every time. So what do you wish that couples knew about the role of counseling or therapy in their marriage or any type of high stakes relationship? Um, that counseling, number one, is not a bad word. Mm-hmm. And counseling is like going to the doctor. You get preventative medicine, you get ongoing care, and you go and get checked up every now and then. Mm-hmm. And counseling should be like that. You should not. <laughs> only a fool is his own counsel. Mm-hmm. So we should have someone there and it doesn't have to be definitive, like counselor counseling. Um, we can have like laypersons can actually help mm-hmm. along that. You need someone there who you both agree on mm-hmm. that can help um, be the third party translator and mediator when we can't see eye to eye that you both respect. Yes. Um but counseling in and of itself is something that I would suggest mm-hmm. that you need and that you can just, and you want to find something or someone that you can go to, even when something isn't wrong, just to get a checkup, just to see, okay, is there anything else I can learn about myself or about my, about my spouse? Or how can we go further from here? Um, how can we uh, make this enrich our, our views? Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Symbis because Symbis is not mm-hmm. only premarital it's not a, only a tool for postmarital but it is a tool for enrichment yes it allows us to be honest separately and then give come together look at the papers and realize hey you know what there's there's some things that we can work on there's some things i can work on you with some things you can work on me with and it keeps us from becoming um bored and mundane yeah. with each other yeah i think um 
just like he was saying, it's preventative. And and one of the things that you'll find is that if you take these marriage assessments, I would recommend finding one and sticking to that one. Mm-hmm. Take it, you know, before you get married. Take it six months after you're married. Take it a year after you're married. And you would be surprised in just a year and then two years how your ideas have shifted, mm-hmm. how your priorities have shifted and everything that goes on. And, and so just as everything shifts and life changes and things get thrown at us, your relationship, my husband always says, it's it's a dynamic and growing organism. Yes, it and is. So just as we are growing, our marriage is growing and evolving. And so finding something, finding a tool that you can take an assessment, a lot of them are, you have a lot of free ones out there too. But finding tool that you can just check in with yourselves. And if you see like, huh, that's interesting. Like find a professional to be like, okay, so this came up here, but it didn't come up last time. Let's talk about what's changed in our relationship to figure out what happened. And if you do this ahead of time before things get wrong, because one of the first things somebody says is like <laughs> relationship, y'all get into a big old fight. I think we should see counseling. Yeah. Can you just come up with something to me the other day was like, usually when somebody says, I think we should see counseling, they're saying, I think something's wrong with you or I need somebody to fix you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not. And, and it's not, and, it, and it's only taken that way. We, I mean, honestly, we just came through something uh, pretty tough. And there is something that Kenyon said about the idea of needing to hear that other stuff. What did you say something about loving me so much? that you wanted to hear. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is is that when we decide we want counseling, in many cases, the the, the problem is, is I can't hear you and you can't hear me. Yes. Yeah. That's it. You're not paying attention to me and both sides are just, they're in their, in their corners and they're ready to fight. And when somebody says, I want counseling, it says that in, it, it, instead of saying that you're wrong or I need somebody to tell you you're wrong, it can really say that I love you enough to learn to hear you. Mm. I love you enough so I can be interpreted to you. Mm. It's important. It is basically the idea of perhaps we're speaking a different language. Let's find someone who can help us speak the same language and get it together because that's usually the issue. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a good way to change your perspective mm-hmm. and, you know, see something from from a positive versus it being a negative. So I love that. And I love that you use the word mediator because that's the way I think of it is exactly what you said. Needing another person to help you hear each other because you're stuck in whatever you think the issue or problem is that this person is doing to you and they're stuck there. So just having a person come in could be all you need to help you get back on track. So like, for example, Daniel and I, we've never gone to a um, clinical counselor, like you said, but we have worked with a financial coach before because we just kept butting heads about the goals and which direction we wanted to go in. And it was like crying when we would do the budget. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work. So we brought in a mediator, a, a third party, someone we she, both... She was doing the crying. <laughs> Yeah, he, I was doing the crying. He wasn't. <laughs> right now. And so we, we brought her in and we worked with her for like a year. And after that, we were fine. Like ever since then, we don't we don't have those same kind of, you know, the fears that I used to have around money and all that stuff. It's gone. 
And um, or I wouldn't say that it's gone, but I know how to deal with it now. And so yeah. working with her really helped support both of us so I could hear what he was saying and he could hear what I was saying. So I, I really appreciate you using that word mediator. And so that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. I was gonna say something you just said that was very important. It was like because a lot of times we don't go to therapy, we don't go to counseling because it automatically says that we're failing at something mm -hmm. and that there's a problem here. Mm -hmm. And it's also saying you're going into your marriage with the I'm sorry, false idea that you're never going to have problems. Yes. And it's not that you're never going to have problems. Sometimes we just don't know how to deal with them. And it's okay to say, I don't know how to deal with them because they're going to come up again. But what will happen is, um, I, I keep saying, you know, it says, but you do, you say a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, always <laughs> Like um, your your challenges are going to test your marriage. You're going to test your strength by not having difficulty, by not having, um, you know, really butting heads. You're never going to know what it is that you can come through and you're never going to know what you need to work on in order to get through better. I think that the way you just said that, Kendra, was perfect. It's like, yeah, now you know how to deal with it. Yeah. And and I, um, and maybe Kenya, you can speak to this, but from my experience, because we... Um, have done a, a a little bit of premarital counseling now, and we've been doing small groups for marriages for over 20 years. Um, and uh, a lot of times with, with men, it's, it's like, I got this. Even when you don't got this, it's like, <laughs> I got this. I don't need anybody else in my, in my business. And that's what really allows the uh, issues to flourish mm -hmm. right, and, and continue to grow. Can you speak to that in, in what, in the work that you do? Sure. What we found is that men deal with things much differently. Um, men, first of all, we only deal with people that we're sure can help us. Mm -hmm. We only deal with people who we can trust because if we're going to be vulnerable in the least bit, we got to make sure that our masculinity is intact. Yeah. We got to make sure that someone is going to continue to treat us like a man, even if we fail at something or feel like we fell at something. The last part is, is that men are fixers. While women are nurturers, men are fixers. So what does that mean? Women, will, A woman will take something that is broken and she'll mold it and nurture it to a place where it can just flourish. Men, we look at it and say, I got to figure this out. And so we're looking to fix it. So we don't mold it and nurture it. There is no, there is no patience. There is a let me put this together and turn it on. And the problem is, is that when that thing stops turning on, we get embarrassed because we feel like we're failing. We feel, we feel like what we are built for is not working. We feel like we're failing as men. We feel like we're failing as husbands. We feel like we're failing because we don't have the answers. And fixers are supposed to have the answers. And so when I deal with men, the idea is to first let them understand that, number one, you're a partner. Number two, there's two heads in this thing. So make sure you treat your partner mm. with, an, with the idea that perhaps they have the ability to perceive something that you don't. And number three, you don't have to have the answers. That's why we're here. And we'll lead you together and we'll walk together towards those answers. And you'll never, ever, um, we, we walk in with rules. And one of the rules is there is no judgment here. You are no less a man. You are no less a husband just because you made a few mistakes. The idea, though, is to look at those mistakes, be accountable for those mistakes, and then we'll walk into repairing those mistakes. Yeah. Amen. Good. It is good. I, I wanted to uh, really say uh, one thing. I'm sorry, Kendra. Um, 
Uh, I'm bringing it up because I, we kind of talked about it a little bit in our intro. Can you identify like maybe the top three patterns as a coach? You people begin to express their their concerns or they, they they start to open up their issues and everything like that. And so you're listening and you're 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 seeing and you're identifying certain things. Okay, okay, I see where we're going. Anywhere we go. So what type of patterns, like if I were to say, we, we, me, and, me and my wife typically, if you trace back the umbilical cord, the reason why, okay, the budget and all that type of stuff, we're fighting because of the budget is because of fear, like Kendra was talking about, some fears, or, or it's selfishness, you chase back the umbilical cord, or it's just some pride that we're dealing with. I just don't want to change. This is how I've been. What are some of those patterns that as a co- as both for both of y'all, as coaches, that y'all you know, see a pattern that kind of consistently shows up when people start to kind of talk about their unresolved issues. Um, the first is expectations. Yes, that was going to be mine. The very first is expectations. They expect something from the other person that the other person never promised. They dated on those expectations. They got married on those expectations and then it flew out the window. And so now they're upset. That's the first one. Second one is trust. What tr- all trust means is that I I have courage with you. And so without trust, I now have fear with you. And because I am afraid of you, I'm going to take all this on myself or I'm going to make you do this with me. And so now you have this push-pull type thing. Along with that, you know, along with that, you have personal home cultures. One thing is, is that we all come from different home cultures, whether we share the same ethnic culture or not, all of us are raised differently, very differently. And so we expect to walk into the relationship still being with the same home culture that we had when we were growing up. And if it's close, yippee, because that's hard to find. But if it's not, and usually it's not, it's really interesting to realize how they are upset Number one, they're upset that the other person don't do things like they do. But number two, the criticism that comes inside of it creates a place of hurt and turmoil because what happens is you don't do it. You don't cook like my mama cooked. (laughs) So now you're you're not as good as my mama. And then when she responds, well, I do it differently. Also, now you understand my mama ain't good as you. So you, you think we are now t- um, turning things over because now we are um, we, we, we're responding out of offense that doesn't necessarily need to be there. If every relationship realized that you are one unique relationship, there'll never be another one like you. I don't care how many times you were married previously. This right here is a totally uh, different organism. So you have to treat it as such, meaning you need new expectations, meaning that you have to trust each other and actively walk in that trust, uh, which is basically faith, have faith and faithfulness to each other. And you have to um, receive each other's culture. This, I, I, I don't want to go too long, but this is one thing I always give. I haven't given it lately, but I usually give. I give you the what's called the two-world premise. And you have two worlds that are combining into in a, in a space and time, right? You have one earth over here, and you have one whole earth over here. Now, there are three ways in which they can combine. They can all come together, and they can destroy each other, which most people are usually doing. Or one earth can come over the other, and they can um, colonize each other. And so one conquers the other, and that's just how it's going to be. 
or they can come together and form a whole new world. And that's where you want to be. You want to form that whole new world. So those are kind of the, those are the three top things that I can think of. Um, you see, you hear something else? I think uh, two things, two things I want to say that I think a lot of people miss going into a relationship, especially in this day and age. Um, number one is, especially as women, um, we believe in women's rights. We believe that women are, you know, they deserve equal rights, equal pay and all of that stuff. But like when you walk into the marriage, you also, a lot of times we've developed this very high level of independence in this relationship. And we walk in not realizing that pieces of us have to be shed in order to accommodate that other person. Oh, too. they just turned off the podcast. You just, uh. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Keep going. <laughs> I'm saying the people listening like, uh, uh-uh, I didn't want to hear that. Turn it off. <laughs> I thought I like cut something down. I'm like, I did, I did it again. But no, like you walk in not realizing yeah you have to shed a piece of you. And as long as you're fighting for your individuality, you will never be able to be one and unified in that relationship. And that's a hard thing to try to get people to come to because we're in a society right now that says, I can have this all by myself. I can do this all by myself. I can be by myself. And you just here for me. Like you're here to accommodate me and make me feel better. You're not here for any other purpose. I'm not here to serve you. And I think it's really destroying our marriages and our relationships and our ideas of marriages. Um, and then the second thing, um, a couple of couples like that have come to us have been through all these turmoil and been through all, you know, everything. And, and they're coming to us and like, we don't know why we just can't make it work. And as elementary as it sounds, Whenever you come into a marriage, yes, you say your vows. Um, you know, a lot of things are going around in the in the word in the air these days. Talk about the social contract, the social contract that we have with mm-hmm. our government and mm-hmm. our society. Mm-hmm. There should be a contract within your relationship. And every time that something is broken, every time that something is breached, we are not supposed to be in the habit of sweeping things by and be like, "Well, I said I was sorry," and that's just it. I ain't gonna do it no more. You have to renew your social contract with one another and say that now that we've come through this, now that we've done this, here's what I need from you in order to feel safe again. Here's what I need from you in order for us to be secure in this situation again. Because as long as we keep continuing to bulldoze over each other and then just sweep things under the rugs, but I just, I said I was sorry, we're never going to create healthy new expectations in our marriages in a way that says, okay, I know I messed up, but baby, safe here. Whenever we get to a really big argument, like we had a fight one day and like we laid on the bed and King was like, okay, what did we learn from this? (laughs) (laughs) What did we learn from this? Mm -hmm. And it was, but it was so genuine and we literally sat there and I had to say like, I'm quiet because I want to make sure I'm cataloging everything that we just went through as far as what I did wrong in here and just saying, here's what we're not going to do again. And we created now a new contract. Number one, we ain't going to text arguments somewhere. Like, you know, (laughs) we've created a new contract and I think it's way underrated. It's, it seems elementary, but I promise you things like that will really help create new normals of safety for you without feeling like I wasn't heard here. And how do I know things are going to change moving forward? Oh, that was so powerful. Like, so my takeaway from what you said is that when you do have those tense moments, you need to learn something that you will now say, we're going to take what we learned. We didn't like how this felt. I didn't like how what I said or or what I did or yeah. didn't do. 
And now we're going to create a new contract that says going forward, when I respond to you in this, when this type of situation comes up again, I'm going to do this instead. Is that what you're saying? Because that's yeah. what I heard. <laughs> the, other, the other piece of that that I that was so powerful was mm-hmm. your intentionality mm-hmm. of the post the, the post processing. Yes. All right. Okay. We've been through this because everybody learns. It's uh, it's really about what do you do with what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think making it a safe place is so important because I know, like with me and him, like I grew up with a lot of lectures and stuff. So when he would start telling me stuff, I would freeze up. Or I would just, what's the word? I would just not be there. So, like, my thing is, just like, I, yeah, I'm there, but I would, like, for with my parents when I was younger, I would literally, like, imagine myself on a beach. Like, I'm in Hawaii. Like, I just, like, I'm not listening. So I would do the same thing with him. <laughs> and so what we had to learn is I'm, like, I need you after we have a deep discussion, I need you to hug me. Like, I need, even if I don't want you to, I want you to hug me until I melt like butter and you know I'm okay because I need to know it's safe. And so I think that's like really good doing whatever works for y'all rebuilding that safety zone is really big. Yeah. That's huge. You mentioned something, uh, I think it was uh, Kenyon when he said uh, something about uh, my, your mind. Yeah. You don't do it like my mama did. Right. And I think especially in our culture, we, we have a lot of that where uh, I, I even did it when I first came into my marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked certain things a certain way. And, and when she didn't do it, um, I'm getting upset. I was like, she can't read my mind. And, and even then, one of the things I had to come to, or we together came to, is that we have a new thing. This is not my parents' thing. This is not her parents' thing. And she's not my mother, right? So um, do you deal with a lot of that um, where you, like Dennis said, when you retrace that's really what, you know, the issue that we, we get back to. We don't deal with that so much as like doing, you don't do it like my dad do. Or now we've, we've seen, we've seen both, but we don't deal with that as much as the learned traits from home. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Learning how to argue, learning how to fight, learning how to fight badly with, with low blows. Um, uh, like I, I can think of one young lady who was basically just plainly spoiled by her dad. And while she didn't say, you don't do it like my dad did, she she wants her husband to spoil her. But her husband's personality was so different that he didn't know how to spoil her that way. Mm-hmm. And she was never able to translate what he did do for her yes. as him trying to spoil her. Wow. So we'll, we see that on a... a a um, deeper level, right? We but see not the effects of it. We see the effects of it, right? We don't see the outright. You don't fold towels the way my mama folds. Typically, the ones that don't want to be with us and they don't stay long because the other traits that have been developed is narcissism. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and, and that's that's another thing too. Our personalities are part of are part of our core core part of who we are, but we've also been nurtured in certain ways. So if someone was nurtured never to take accountability for who they are or what they do yeah. or in, in their in um in their environment, then that is a parenting issue, but it never comes out as a parenting issue in the sense that now this is the evil on the next generation. This is now that curse. Yeah, right. You are now the person who represents that type of mentality. Mm-hmm. And so they 
have to begin to break that. And that's where you have some super tough conversations. So I know we might have already answered this to a certain degree, but I want to see if you guys have anything else to add to it. Why do you guys think couples wait till the very, very last minute or when it's almost too late for counseling to get counseling? Um, you want to go with that? No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> because they, they're, they're out of answers. And that's the problem. We feel like we have all the answers or we should have the answers. Gotcha. Most, most of the men, their response is, if we can't fix it, I can't see how anybody else can. Yes. Yes. That's most yeah. Of the yeah. yeah. Like somebody gave them a playbook because so many men say this all the time. Mm -hmm. They say it all the time, but that's because of the fear of being exposed mm -hmm. because there is a shared accountability and they don't want to hear their version of it because they feel like that's all they'll hear. Um, unfortunately, when they get in front of us, we talk to her about her accountability too. She is not, she is not, um, without any faults of her own. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the things. I, I was going to say too, especially, um, coming from a, a faith-based perspective is I think a lot of times we genuinely pray for God to fix it as yeah. opposed to looking for opportunities for God to show us how to fix it. And so from a Christian perspective, like, we have been grown up in this name it and claim it society of God where we treated God as a genie in a bottle and so when our marriage gets bad it's like Lord fix it and I'm gonna lay scripture on it and listen y'all do not cancel the Martins because I'm saying this I'm not saying that God cannot what I am saying is that faith without works is dead and so as we're praying for God to fix things and then honestly when that's all we've been taught to do, we haven't been taught to do that work in God and do that work on ourselves and do that work in our marriage. Then sometimes counseling becomes a last resort because now we feel like we failed God somehow and that he didn't fix it. You know, we've read all the books, we've fasted, we've prayed. We, my mom used to anoint my daddy's hair, uh, uh, pillow with oil, blessed oil. Come on. I, yes, yes, we will, we will. We will, yes. we will burn our knees on the carpet all night long before we will go to a therapist. And, and I feel, I feel like it's 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 like God saying, you know, well, I I, I sent the I ship, the, I sent the, exactly. the, air, the right. helicopter, I sent it all, and, and you ignored it all. That's why you're here with me now. Exactly. And, and that's the point. It's like God, God can only do so much. He still gives us the opportunity to go out and then get that supplemental help um, as well. And so I think what as Christians, I would urge people, if you're waiting for God to change your mate, that's not what he's in the business of doing in that capacity. You guys both have to be in the business of wanting to seek out change. And what God will do is allow you to hopefully put you in a position to meet um, counselors, therapists, coaches that is going to help show you you so that you can begin to do that work. Um, God opens us up. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. We have to accept and receive what is being, you know, downloaded to us in that moment. Right. And let Holy Spirit have some depth of conversation. I meet people sometimes, Holy Spirit's trying to tell them, and you can hear from how they're talking. He's telling you, but you're like, no, 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 I won't talk about that right now. 
So it's kind of like you have to give the freedom to. Yes. Because I have met people who are like, I'm not talking to God about that. And it's like, but that's a key to your healing. No, mm-hmm. we're not talking about that. I'm like, well, he's a gentleman. So if you said we're not talking about that, you are in lock. You're like in bondage because you're like, I'm not talking about that. It's like, just talk about it. Other thing I wanted to ask on that question, how much do you think the Black experience has to do with that too? Because I mean, a lot of Black people are like, Black people, we don't do counseling. That's not something we do. So do you think that has a part to do with it too? I think it has a whole lot to do with it because that's our culture. And if our culture says you can't, first of all, it's affordability. Um, can I find it? And if I find it, can I afford it? Um, yeah. Can I get it on, on insurance? But second of all, um, counseling or therapy was always reserved for those who had mental conditions. Right. That's and right. so we always looked at those people as being special, mm-hmm. um, as being gifted, if you will, and those type of things. And so there's always been a a negative connotation mm-hmm. or stigma when it came comes to counseling. Mm-hmm. So if our marriage needs counseling and we're black, um something must be wrong with us. Y'all something must be wrong mm-hmm. with me as a man. Uh, additionally the black culture is is extremely good at making sure that our dirty laundry stays inside. Now, we do not want to air our dirty, dirty laundry because we don't know. Now, we don't know who's going to share what, when, why, and how. And that's so very important. Trusting someone else. We, especially men, it's hard, and, and it is, it's hard for men to trust anyone else. It, it is. And we'll, we watch behavior. And so if Christendom, in a greater view, yeah. is falling behind in certain behaviors, then how are they going to be able to help us if they can't even hold up on that? So, we, we, I mean, we're really identifying and diagnosing the, those things. And so we'd rather sit in our own stuff because at least, number one, we're safe. And at least I know what, to, what I can deal with. Um a lot of black women have dealt with more than what's necessary have dealt with abuse, mental and emotional and physical abuse. So now, and if I can say this, I hope don't get mad at me, but our parents taught us how to abuse our children. Mm -hmm. That's become a part of our cultural identity Mm -hmm. to the standpoint that we're proud of it. We can talk about it. This is what black mamas do. But the problem is, is that's abuse. And so now we've learned how to navigate abusive situations and things of that nature. And we think that it's a norm. So we have those norms. We have those secrecies. We have those trying to hide ourselves and and make sure that we're still safe from other people's uh, judging. There's a lot going on in the Black culture that we don't really uh, acknowledge. And if we acknowledged it, we we would be a lot better off. Go ahead, man. No, and I think to that, and and I know we we don't want to turn it into a black diaspora, right? Um, but <laughs> one thing I will say too is that coming up, whether it was from slavery to you know what we grew up with in church mm-hmm. to all of this today, we are living still in a culture that sees black pain and black trauma as inconsequential, mm-hmm. and when society 
And those around us, those who don't look like us, have believed that and then have treated us like that. Then, unfortunately, we have then began to take that on as well. Yes. Yes. And so, taking it on, we're living through things, we're dealing with things because according to everybody else around me, it ain't that bad. Mm. According to everything that everybody else is throwing at me, it's, it can't be that bad. As long as I'm living, as long as I'm getting up every day, it must not be that bad. Mm. And that's not the case. I think we have to stop giving hierarchy to what our pain and what our trauma looks like just because it doesn't look like somebody else's either. If something is hurting you, if something doesn't feel right to you, begin to respond to your body, begin to respond to yourself, your mind and your emotions in a way that says it matters too. And yes. make sure that you're addressing it every single time. Don't keep sweeping yourself under the rug. Keep, keep giving attention to your trauma and your feelings. Yeah, it's important because I look at it. If I stub my toe and I scream, that's my body's way of saying, hello, you have physical pain. If I'm heartbroken or I got church hurt or I've been divorced, whatever, for me to act like I'm just fine and move on and ignore that pain. I tell people it affects every part of your life. If me as a boss, a manager, a wife, a mother, a sister, a friend. Yes. The more emotional stuff I deal with, the more freedom I have, the more balance I have in my relationships. So to me, it's like, don't ignore it. If, if, if you're still, the other thing I say to people all the time, too, is you're still hurting. Yeah. So you might as well hurt the counseling, you know? <laughs> right. Gotta deal with it. Gotta deal with it. One thing I um I just went to the doctor last week um for the first time in I don't know how many years. Um and one of the first things the doctor was like, What do you do for a living? I'm like, Well, I'm African, so I do a lot, right? And so, <laughs> He laughed. He was jobs. like, I need you to sit down. He was like, like, I got a stress test last year. He's like, why haven't you been to see the results? I was like, I didn't have time. He was like, you can't do that to yourself. Like, you have to stop that. And I'm like, I just didn't make time. He was like, but no, you have to force these things to be a priority in your life because overwork, overdrive has become the love language of today's people. Um, especially black people like right now it's all about like we're trying to catch up and get equity and we feel like we have to do all the things in order to get there and he's like no you don't and you can't and he's like I'm very concerned if you don't begin to sit down and take care of yourself and I was like dang all right he was like you know therapists get therapy too right I was like I don't want to hear that like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that but I'll give you he gave it was some sort of medication he gave me just to help calm down my brain and he was like I'm only going to give you 30 days because I need you to take some accountability into now going and getting help for yourself just to sit and talk to someone he was like, seriously, just go download, just go talk. You cannot take on everything you take on and not think that you don't need help too. So I'm giving you 30 days. If you don't, he's like, and if you call me for a refill and I haven't seen you been to a therapist, he's like, I'm not giving it to you, period. Why, why is it so effective to sit down with someone? Because so what I, what I always think about with counseling like we have multiple people in our lives, right? So we have our closest family and friends. When I kind of polled people to see who do you normally go to when you are experiencing some type of issues in your relationship? Who do you go to to talk to? They usually talk to a family member or a friend. Um, they may go talk to their pastor. Some people go to a counselor. What is it about sitting with someone and sharing what the two of you, both, both of you sitting there together, sharing what's happening? How does that help me? have a healthier relationship? 
Um, what it does is it gives you the opportunity to be heard. Sometimes we can go talk to friends and family and so on and so forth, and they already have a backlog of information they've been wanting to give you anyway. Yep. They, they, they hear you, but they're not hearing you. Mm-hmm. Counselors and coaches and, and of, of that type are masters of questioning. They're masters of giving you an opportunity to be heard. And sometimes that little bit, being heard makes us feel like we are important again. And make us feel like we matter again. Yeah. And if there's something going on between her and I, and we can't hear each other by someone else saying, oh, so what you're saying is, and they rephrase that in their own word. And you're like, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say. Mm -hmm. That is, there is a release there. There's a catharsis there. There is a, there is a, a moment where they feel like, oh my God, I am not crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's perspective. And that, right, it's, it's perspective. And it takes so much um, negative energy out from in between them. Yeah. And then the other person's like, well, huh, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because we go so long, once we go so long and, and not being hurt in our relationship and we keep having the same fight over and over again or, you know, all that stuff begins to just build up because now what begins to happen is we begin to shut down. We, we stop talking. We stop communicating. And one of the things that um, we, you know, really come up on and seen, and I'm sure you all have seen it through working in ministry, is that all of the damage done to your marriage, most of it happens in your own mind. Most of it happens in the silence when you stop talking. And so if you continue to go to this place and you're not being heard, now it's not just me shutting down and not even communicating with you anymore. I'm now beginning to tell myself why you don't hear me, why you don't want to hear me. And here's what I bet he's thinking. And here's what I bet she's going with that right now and all that. And all of the damage begins to happen right here. When half the time you get to therapy, you'll get to counseling, get to coaching, and you'll find out that half the time they weren't they weren't even in the ballpark of what you were thinking about mm-hmm. it was all about coming together and finding an understanding and that third party allows you to be heard allows you to talk that through but then it allows you to see each other in a way that you hadn't maybe seen each other for a very long time right. for the enemy to spill all the lies that you're like okay yeah 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 that's true that's true it gives the opportunity for truth Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we tell them. We will we'll tell them um, because we work with people faith based and, and who, who are not faith based. But when we get the opportunity to talk to other Christians, we let them know that, listen, the enemy's greatest um, weapon is the whisper he has in your ear. And he can only whisper when you're still enough to listen. Mm. And right there in those silent pieces. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just don't know how much self-control I'm using right now as a podcast host because I've been wanting to run around the table a few times. (laughs) Man, there's so much that uh, that's been said. um, And a few of those pieces, uh, uh, the black diaspora, we could just have a whole podcast on that itself Amen. Uh, and because we only have a relationship podcast it's so much stuff we just got to sit home and talk about because we like we can't tell the people like we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna carve it out amen so thank you all so much for the wisdom that you oh. have shared 
it's every, it's everything I thought it would be. <laughs> and oh, so before before you go, before we wrap up our time with you, we really wanted to make sure that people have an opportunity to know how when they hear this, they're going to want to connect with you. And how would they go about doing that? Aston Martins everywhere. So we're AstonMartins.com. Um, we're Aston Martins on all of our socials, even YouTube. Um, yeah, and that's the best way. You can send us a DM on our website. You can send us an email. And then you can also obviously contact us via our website, you know, for coaching opportunities as well. All right. Thank you for being our first guest. I'm holding up your book. So for the people that are going to see this on video, just tell us really quick about your book that you wrote for married couples. Okay. So the book is called Covered. It's, it's about the four pillars of covering safety, security, trust, and empathy. And what we did was we consolidated everything that we have dealt with when it comes to marriage mm -hmm. and brought it down to four simple, easy things that we need to focus on in order to build a healthy marriage, enrich a marriage, and what we need to go back to in order to fix some of the things that we've broken. Amen. All right. Thank you, Martins. <laughs> pleasure. Yes, our Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Daniel after the show and we are a member supported show so to support us all you got to do is go over to patreon.com slash living well marriage all one word patreon.com slash living well marriage and you can support us there at any level that you desire uh, also you can watch our show over on youtube just search for Living Well Today Marriage or Living Well Marriage. We should pop up uh, somewhere around the top there. And um, just want to say thanks for supporting the show. So if you like this, this uh, content, please support us. And um, we look forward to doing the next episode. Peace.